Welcome to the Minor and Landis Immigration Update, the podcast that immigration professionals and foreign nationals turn to for up-to-the-minute information. The deadline to file H-1B cap petitions selected in the third round of the lottery for fiscal year 2022 is February 23, 2022. One of the most important steps in preparing H-1B petitions is determining the appropriate prevailing wage for the labor condition application. Miner and Landis has created a tutorial video on how to determine the prevailing wage for H-1B petitions as well as E-3 and H-1B-1 petitions. This week's podcast is the audio portion of that video, which you can surely listen to here, but you can also go to Lynn Walker's YouTube channel. That's spelled L-I-N if you're searching on YouTube, Lynn Walker's YouTube channel, to watch it with the additional charts and other visual aids we've created. So, with no further ado, how to determine the prevailing wage. Determining the prevailing wage for an E3, H-1B, or H-1B-1 petition is very complex and challenging, as there are many issues that an employer must take into account. An employer's failure to pay the appropriate wage may result in harsh penalties, including, but not limited to, fines and debarment from filing future petitions for immigration benefits on behalf of its foreign national employees. In this video, we are going to walk you through the steps of determining the prevailing wage, hopefully demystifying and simplifying this process for you. So, what is the prevailing wage? Before we get to that, first we need to define the visa classifications we are talking about today. The E3, H-1B, and H-1B-1 are visa classifications for individuals who will be employed in a specialty occupation, which is an occupation that requires a theoretical and practical application of a body of highly specialized knowledge, and b attainment of a bachelor's or higher degree in the specific specialty or its equivalent as a minimum for entry into the occupation in the United States. So back to our question, what would be the prevailing wage for a specialty occupation? In order to file an E3, H-1B, or H-1B-1 petition, an employer must agree to pay the foreign national beneficiary at least the required wage which is defined as the higher of the prevailing wage or the employer's actual wage paid to similarly employed workers. So, put simply, the actual wage established by the employer is the wage currently being paid to workers doing a specific job within the company, whereas the prevailing wage measures the union requirements for a given profession or the average of non-union wages in the general location surrounding the company doing the hiring. So now that we understand the difference, how do we determine the prevailing wage for the offered position? Well, in order to do this, the employer must have three key pieces of information. One, what is the occupational classification for the position being offered? Two, what is the appropriate wage level? And three, what is the area of intended employment? To determine the most appropriate occupational classification for an offered position, we use the U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Information Network Online Summary Report, which organizes occupations by Standard Occupational Classification, or SOC codes. 
The occupational classification for an offered role depends not merely on the title for the offered position, but on the daily responsibilities or duties of the position. For example, the job title Software Engineer can be classified as many different occupations, and a search under ONET reveals that the first match is for the occupation Software Developer. By comparing the duties for the offered position to the duties listed for the Software Developer occupation, we can determine that they are sufficiently similar because the duties for the two roles are consistent. That means we can classify the offered position of Software Engineer as a Software Developer. It's important to note that the SOC code will only be one factor used by USCIS and the Department of Labor in determining whether the offered position qualifies as a specialty occupation. So how do we define a specialty occupation? If we hop to another website, the Foreign Labor Certification Data Center, there we will find occupations organized into job zones that describe various levels of experience along with the education needed, which they call the Standard Vocational Preparation, or SVP. The SVP is defined as the amount of time usually required to obtain the skills, knowledge, and information necessary for average performance in a given occupation. So an occupation with an SVP of 7 requires from two years to four years of education, training, and experience, while an occupation with an SVP of eight requires over four years and up to 10 years of education, training, and experience. So as you can see, specialty occupations are some of the most highly skilled positions. Next, we need to determine the wage level. The Department of Labor established four wage levels for each standard occupational classification, and these are quite detailed, so I won't read it all to you, but feel free to pause the video to review the specifics of each level if you need to. Level 1 is the entry level. This refers to employees who have only a basic understanding of the occupation. Level 2 is the qualified level. This is for employees who have attained, either through education or experience, a good understanding of the occupation. Level 3 is the experienced level. This refers to employees who have a sound understanding of the occupation and have attained, either through education or experience, special skills or knowledge. And finally, level 4, the fully competent level. This refers to employees who have sufficient experience in the occupation to plan and conduct work requiring judgment and the independent evaluation, selection, modification, and application of standard procedures and techniques, clearly working at the most advanced level. The employer must look principally at its educational and experience requirements for the offered position as well as the educational and experience requirements for its current employees who are filling the same or similar role. And the third key piece of information the employer must know is, where is the area of intended employment? Well, this is an easy one. The area of intended employment includes the city and state where the employer intends for the foreign national to work within a normal commuting distance. Once the employer has these three pieces of information, the prevailing wage determination can be conducted by following these steps. For our hypothetical job offer, we'll use the following information. Step 1. Use the Department of Labor's online wage library, Foreign Labor Certification Data Center. Select the state of intended employment. So we're selecting New Jersey. 
Then select the county or township of intended employment. So we select Hudson County, which is where Jersey City is located. Then we enter a keyword or phrase for the offered position. We'll enter software developer. Employers also have the option of using the pull-down menu to select an occupation from a list, which is arranged by SOC code. Then select Search. Based on our use of the title Software Developer, two occupational classifications were found as a potential match. Software Developer, Applications and Software Developer, Systems Software. Upon review of the job descriptions provided, we determined that the best match was Software Developer, Applications. So we selected the hyperlink View Wages for Software Developers, Applications. According to the OES Wage Survey published by the Department of Labor, a Level 2 prevailing wage for a software developer applications in the Jersey City, New Jersey area is $48.33 per hour or $100,526 per year. That figure can now be compared to the actual wage the employer pays for this job classification to determine the required wage for the foreign national employee, which, as we mentioned at the beginning, must be the higher of the two numbers. As you can see, determining the prevailing wage accurately is extremely important and can be somewhat tricky. Getting this wrong can mean severe consequences for an employer. The best course of action is to contact a qualified attorney for a consultation prior to initiating an E3, H-1B, or H-1B1 process for an employee. Minor and Landis's Immigration Group provides service of only the highest quality at a reasonable cost. Its attorneys and paralegals are not only extremely experienced in all facets of business immigration, but are also highly motivated and responsive to clients' needs. Contact us now at minor.com to arrange a consultation. Disclaimer, the information contained herein is intended only for educational or informational purposes and is not a substitute for legal advice. Further, listening to this HR tip in no way establishes an attorney-client relationship between you and Minor and Landis LLP. Listeners should consult legal counsel for definitive advice regarding the current law and regulations and how those apply to your unique situation within your organization.